everyone, and welcome to episode 242 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we got the full crew here this week, starting off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's up today, Richard? Hey, Seth, what's going on? Another week of fairy tales. Another week of fairy tales, tons of cards to talk about, and some other stuff as well. So it should be a fun cast today. But before we get into all that, we also have another excellent co-host in Krim. What's going on, Krim? Hey, Seth. How you doing? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I am pretty hyped today. We got mainly Throne of Eldering. That's going to be the bulk of our podcast, talking sweet new Throne of Eldering cards. But we got a couple other of topics we wanted to hit quickly before we get to the new cards, like some changes to Historic on Magic Arena, which uh, people have been asking for, and also the results of the 2019 Hall of Fame voting came out a few days ago. So we're going to hit those, talk a ton of Throne of Eldering, answer some Fishman, so that's the plan for the cast today. Before we jump into it, a quick reminder that our show today is brought to you by SpikesAcademy.com, and Spikes Academy is presenting a new course about Limited with a Hall of Famer and one of the best Limited players of all time in Ben Stark. And in the course, Ben will teach you how to build better draft and seal decks, how to evaluate cards in Limited, so get ready to crush your next pre-release tournament with SpikesAcademy.com and the new Limited course with Ben Stark. You can even use the code GOLDFISH to get a 5% discount at SpikesAcademy.com. So thank you so much to Spice Academy for supporting the show. And uh, we got a ton of cards to talk about, which means we should probably jump right into our topic. So first off, uh, Richard, we got some Hall of Fame news. Did you see that the voting came out? Let our viewers and listeners know who is entering the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, Tarbagoyf, Liliana of the Veil, <laughs> Thoughtseize. Yes, Reed Duke has entered the Hall of Fame. My favorite hero, longtime champion of Jund, all around nice guy. I've never heard anything bad said about Reed Duke. And he got in with a pretty overwhelming vote. Like, the numbers were, were pretty crazy for him. But congrats yeah, to Reed Duke. 94% or something on his first va- uh, ballot, which is actually really impressive. Uh, sadly, while I think it's awesome that Reed Duke made it, and I think he was at the top of pretty much everyone's ballots. As a result, Joe, no one else was super close. You got to get 60% of the votes to get in. The next three were like 35, 36% in Brad Nelson, Chris Pakula, and Jerry Thompson. So uh, we didn't have anyone else make it this year or anyone else that was even super close close to getting in this year so it'll be interesting to see apparently changes coming in the future but huge congrats to reduke on making the hall of fame yeah anyway uh with hall of fame out of the way we also got a big magic arena update so there had been a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth about the announcement of historic on magic arena if you've seen like the arena subreddit or social media people were pretty outraged about wild cards costing two there were questions about new cards being added but a couple of days ago wizards came out with a massive announcement with changes to historic which launches alongside throne of elderain uh, very shortly here so uh richard what were these changes all right so previously historic cards cost two wild cards which is the the bulk of the outrage that everyone had so now to no one's surprise wizards like hey guys joke joking one one to one so one wild card (laughs) for your historic cards but what they give they take away so previously uh your historic play cues would give you uh progress towards your daily and weekly wins and quests so now they only progress your quests. 
So you can't use them to rack up your daily and weekly wins. Uh, historic events remain the same. They start in November. Uh, historic ranked remains the same. Available for a limited amount of time in December. Uh, new historic cards. So they previously said 15 to 20 new cards uh, in November. And they said per quarter. Now it's TBD. So they don't even know what they're doing with those now. They're just saying we're thinking about how many and how often and how we're going to release them to new players. And then the historic packs previously were available in 45 packs uh, bundles. Now they'll be available in all the ways you can buy a standard set. So individual packs all the way up to the bundles. So, Krim, we uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. How big of a deal are these changes? Like, do these changes uh, fix the issues that the community had with the format or the, whatever issues you had with the format? Uh, well, it... It's obviously very nice. It fixes the one issue that uh, a lot a lot of people probably wanted, which was now you can actually experiment and you know not feel like you're gonna like destroy all your entire wild card collection at the you know spend all your money on wild cards because you wanted to see if a deck could work because it's only one wild card for a card now. So I, I I'm not as afraid to experiment, right? It's not gonna just make it so that oh best deck only in this format. So I do, I do like that. I, I don't, I'm concerned now about this whole t- uh, TBD announcement on new cards getting added to Arena, though. Like, are we getting less cards than we are before? Are we not going to get any at all? Um, this, cause the thing that we had talked about before, Seth, about how upon arrival, this will just feel like standard that we've had all year long if they don't add a ton of new cards, um, into the format. I think, the good news is, uh, from reading some of the stuff Wizards had said, it sounds like they are definitely adding new cards to Historic. The TBD isn't uh, supposed to mean they're thinking about not doing that, but they're thinking through the right cards to add and how players will acquire the cards. So I would still expect new cards, but I have no idea like how much uh, the TBD part will change that. Are we still thinking like Worm Coils and Dark Confidants, or is it going to be uh, more powered down stuff? So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I kind of like you, Krim. I think the wild card thing is a really big deal. I like that they're thinking about how they add new historic cards. I have no idea if that'll be good and bad or bad in the end, depending on where they actually end up. I still think that we need more play options. I think even though this, I read this as a positive announcement overall, the thing that's still kind of disappointing to me is it's still like play options once a month or like quarterly for the certain rank things like i really wish that they would just have this all the time uh because it would be nice to have more than just limited and standard as kind of evergreen formats on arena so that's the one thing i'm still looking for is like more support in the form of having queues available but other than that i feel like this is a step in the right direction i gotta ask both of you we talked about last time we talked about historic. Some people were saying they think wizards intentionally announced the two for one wild cards, knowing that they would probably have to walk it back and they would <laughs> get the good press of us talking about this good change and other people talking about this good change. Do you think that's what happened? Like, do you think wizards, this was all their master plan or do you think all the complaining actually changed wizards mind and they really thought two for one wild cards was the way to go no nah, i think it changed their mind i think this would be like really bad marketing because i, I read this announcement and i'm super jaded like i i don't i'm not with you guys that this is positive what i see is wizards 
trying to manipulate how we play historic, right? Like they they give us one to one wild cards, right? So you're like, oh, now it's cheaper, we can play. Wrong, right? Like now you can't use it for your daily wins. Now we can't give you fifteen to twenty cards because you're gonna get them too fast, right? Like that's what I read into this. Now they got to rethink how many cards. Like if they put too little. Uh, you're gonna finish out your historic collection super fast, right? Uh, is that good or bad? So now they're toying around. Should we add more cards? Should we add less cards? How can you get them so that even though we gave you one-to-one wild cards, they're harder for you to get, right? They're 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 still making us jump through hoops to not play historic. So yeah, this number changed, but then they're changing the other dials so that the end result will be the same for us. So I'm just being super jaded, but I don't see this as like super, hey guys, let's play historic. It's like, hey guys, play standard. And when standard sucks, you could try historic, maybe, when we turn on our cues, right? I I think right now it also may feel that way, though, only because I think they themselves are also testing a ton of things out, like the whole ranked queue stuff. I think that maybe right now the only reason why we don't have a permanent ranked queue is because they want to see how the format plays out, what's in there, and then once they're comfortable with the format, they can make it a more of a permanent ranked queue. But there's nothing, like, if you put a ranked queue up and say, you know, the format's degenerate, so what? <laughs> right? Like, it's not like you get anything for being at the top. You know, like, the the actual downsides are very little. Uh, but I, I think, like, they, they want to, like, as I had mentioned, they just want to just make it so that the format is viable and fun before they try to make it a permanent rank queue and like if it's just fully degenerate they may not like that like you know what i mean like they may not want to make that a a permanent ranked kind of thing but how do you get this data without a place to play and collect it also true also true <laughs> they can't they, they obviously have to let it go first and then and then see what happens but i think that's I, what I, this uh initial launch will be a lot of like testing like i would have liked to seen like hey guys we screwed up one-to-one wild cards ranked queues all the time you know all skews available right like ev- like make it fully beneficial to the players uh because you know in a couple months time everyone will forget about this anyway right it's not gonna matter but for the time being to make the optics look better they should have just given us freebies kind of like you know, you complain to the manager and they're like, here, take your free happy meal and go, whatever, right? Like, we don't care. <laughs> Whereas this is, they're like, oh, let's nickel and dime you some more on your way out and it looks positive, but we'll take some of this other stuff from you. And like, I'm like, what's the point of this, right? Just like I- <laughs> for the first two weeks, all wild cards are free or something, like whatever, right? You know, Hearthstone just gives you like random packs and drafts and stuff whenever a new set comes out, like, you know, yeah. whatever, right? I do think like, as long as Arena's been around, we've kind of seen this. It feels like, Wizards or Hasbro has like targets of how much money they want to make. So we saw this with like the vault and some of the issues with that like a year ago or whatever. It's never just like, okay, we're going to give you more stuff. There's always something to balance that out. So by decreasing the price of historic with it costing only one wild card for each card, they take away the rewards to try to even it out. And I think that's just how arena has always worked. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but at this point I'm kind of used to it. I don't expect any like economy changes that actually make the economy significantly better without it taking away something to kind of even that out because that's just been the the history of arena as far as uh as long as it's been around as far as i can see yeah pretty much i, I think the, the price is two wild cards still whether it, it even though it's not direct like indirectly that that'll be the price and that's the benchmark that wizards is working with so maybe the events cost more but pay out less 
maybe there's less events overall or I don't know. They're going to do something such that the cost is roughly basically, I guess, double of what it is to play standard. It also seems like this change does make it even harder to actually play historic. Like, if you're not getting uh, progress towards some of your uh, daily and weekly wins and stuff, maybe that makes it even less likely that people play it. Like, not having rank queues is already rough, but then also having it not count towards your daily and weekly wins... Uh, I don't know how many people are just going to jump into it right away. I guess we'll, I guess we'll have to see. Uh, but yeah. hopefully, I mean, we what get are more we? Two weeks out. I think we're like two weeks out, right? Until uh, until we can play historic. I believe so. There's no events until November and December, but I believe you'll be able to do the like whatever casual casual historic games once uh, Throne of Eldraine releases. I believe. Just okay. just wait until the outrage when historic events are required for the mastery pass. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you jumpstart your new format, boys. <laughs> like <laughs> win ten games. <laughs> In historic. Oh, since you mentioned Mastery Pass, and we gotta get to new Throne of Eldering cards, uh, I think it turned out better than I thought, honestly. It looks like I'm actually, I was skeptical of even buying it, and it looks like I am going to end up completing it before the season ends. I only need, like, a few more levels, and there's, like, ten days left or something, so, uh, overall, I think, I don't know. <laughs> so it the man bad, that plays, but... like, 60 hours of Magic a week <laughs> manages <laughs> to complete his Mastery Pass. Is that what I, you're telling me, Seth? I did, it. I did it. I did it. Yes, we did it, Reddit. <laughs> it only <laughs> takes being a full-time Magic content producer, and you can easily complete the Mastery Pass with, like, five days to spare. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on from Hall of Fames and Arena to our big topic for today, and the most fun topic for today, which is Throne of Eldorade, our newest set. We have a ton of spoilers and before we get into the cards one quick question for y'all i've seen people saying that this set is broken i've seen people like uh, ari lax talking about on twitter comparing it to some of like urza's sets which are like historically broken uh kaladash another broken set do you think this set is that off the charts in terms of brokenness and power level are we looking at like a historically busted push set in throne of eldraine i think this set yes. is absurdly powerful <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think I think when you play when you play the set, I think it will be fine. When we play standard, uh, you know, at, at rotation, it will be fine. The question is, next year when they release new standard sets, and then you're comparing cards from the two sets, and you see, you know, all the new cards at the Pro Tour, will any of them be from the new set, or will they all be overshadowed by, uh, you know, the super push set, right? And we saw the same thing with Energy and Kaladesh, and they had to ban a whole bunch of cards just to make the newer cards playable, I feel we're kind of in that territory. Maybe they just keep pushing. Maybe we're they in just, pushing. like, full-on power creep mode now. Questing beast who didn't have enough keywords, so uh, <laughs> one year from now, it's going to yeah. add another four It'll keywords. It'll get another keyword it. <laughs> it was supposed to also have double strike. <sighs> All right, well, yeah, I agree with you. I think this set looks incredibly pushed, and uh, let's talk about some of these incredibly pushed magic cards. So, Richard. Guide us through some sweet spoilers. All right. Uh, I don't know about incredibly pushed, but we have Kenrith, the returned king. So uh, the, the king of the plane. Uh, I think this is the father of... Uh, it is. Will and Rowan's twins. father. Will and yeah. Rowan, yes. Uh, four and a white. Five, five. Legendary creature. Human noble. Red. All creatures gain trample and haste until end of turn. One in a green. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Two in a white. Target player gains five life. Three in a blue, target player draws a card. Four in a black, put target creature from a graveyard onto the battlefield under its owner's control. 
should say also this is the buy a box promo for the set so if you want one of these it's not coming in the actual uh, normal packs but you can get one if you pick up a box at your local game store i am actually really excited for this this feels well, like to me the best i don't think it's good for standard i don't think it'll even really yeah. see play in standard but i think i love five color commander decks that's some of my like favorite decks are just like five color essentially good stuff i can just play whatever i want and i feel like kenrith might be the best five color good stuff commander a lot of the five color commanders are either like tribal based or they're cards that have like like progenitus like sure it can be good stuff but you might also have a downside of blowing up your entire board uh this you can just play it in any five color deck and it's going to offer value to your deck and it's got like this feldegriff mode built in where you can also play like five color group hug or whatever so i think this is a super sweet commander but not really standard relevant yeah, I, I'm excited to try this in Brawl. <laughs> like, that's that's mostly uh, what... Because, I mean, just like you had mentioned, like, it's like this or Golos, and I think this can get some pretty sweet value, although not as good as Golos's uh, activated ability, but that one's significantly more mana. It does seem good in Brawl, though. Like, I'm a little sad with Brawl being mostly 1v1 that you lose out on like the fun political aspect I think one of the parts I like of Kenrith is like every ability can be used to benefit your opponent as well so in like a multiplayer game you can do some really sweet like political tricks with Kenrith that don't really come across in 1v1 brawl where I think you just exclusively activate the abilities to benefit yourself in a 1v1 game <laughs> unless they had a chat box hey if you don't hit me I'll let you gain 5 life <laughs> <laughs> we need to figure out a code with like the the arena emotes to say that <laughs> double oops yep. for mode number two <laughs> blink twice if you uh yeah want me to activate this what do you think richard so my favorite part of the card is uh his abilities go from one cmc to five cmc so once you have him on the battlefield you will always be mana efficient that's that is very true also this is an insane combo commander uh or just card because of like the mana sync ability, if you ha- if you make infinite mana and you have Kenrith as your commander, you just win the game. Like you draw your entire deck, you gain infinite life, you make your creatures infinitely big and hasty. So like, combo potential as well. And there's tons of ways to make infinite mana in commander. All right. Next up, we have Robber of the Rich. So, question: Is Robin Hood a fairy tale? Hmm. It's my. It was my favorite Disney movie as a kid. I don't know if it counts as a fairy tale, though. Wait, there's a Disney movie? You've never seen the Disney Robin Hood? It's like one of the best Disney movies. <laughs> the only the Robin Hood I remember is Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, that's the only Robin Hood I remember. <laughs> there, there was actually a cartoon? I yeah, didn't I didn't even know this. Oh, I can't believe well, I thought everyone had Disney seen made it, then this must be, this must be a fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. One in a red. Two, two. Human Archer Rogue. Reach haste when it attacks. If defending player has more cards in hand than you, exile the top card of the library. During any turn you attacked with a rogue, you may cast that card and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. So this is your opponent's library. Yeah, so you kind of get to steal your opponent's stuff. Uh, I think this is the card that I'm most likely to attack flyers into and lose the game as a result. It does not Dude, seem he's like clearly Spider Manning hanging from the sky. Don't fly into him. Like, look at the art. <laughs> That's true, but it just, you don't expect the red two drop to just randomly have haze. Like, I get the flavor of it. It's an archer. It can, like, shoot things down out of the sky or whatever. But still, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think this card's powerful. It's 
a good two drop on turn two, and then it kind of scales to the late game because those cards just sit in exile. And then late in the game, eventually you'll either have another rogue. There's a couple of like semi playable rogues in standard, but not a ton. Or you'll just draw another robber of the rich, swing in with haste, and then unlock kind of this like new hand, or at least like a few cards, hopefully, that you have in your exile zone from your opponent's deck. So I think this is actually pretty good as a two drop that's pretty good on turn two to get in hasty damage and then gives you some nice value in the late game where you get to access all the cards you exiled. Also, yeah, just like eating cards off the top of the opponent's deck could, you know, actually be very disruptive along the way. Yeah. So do you, uh, do you, do you guys remember a time where like red got like a two mana two one and like that was it? <laughs> <laughs> and then we had a red grizzly bear and we were like losing our minds. And then now we have one with reach haste and it like gets to steal cards. <laughs> do, do you think it's going to be good in modern? No. I'm going to say no. Not e- in, so which, like, in what deck? Humans. Oh, it's a human. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's also a human. <laughs> There's that like relevant. so much competition, though. I think I think there's like better humans in Throne of Eldraine for <laughs> modern humans, actually. So I think it might just be too much competition. I don't know. I guess you could play it as like a, a one of or something. But then you lose some of the value of like wanting to draw multiples in the late game when the first one dies to gain the card. So I'm going to go with there's just not enough room, even though it, I think it is a pretty powerful effect. Are there random rogues in the human deck? I don't think so, right? Oh. I don't think any of them are rogues. I don't think so, but there could be, and I'm just not realizing it. Rogue is one of those, like, sneaky creature types that sometimes things just are randomly rogues and you don't realize it. It's a lot like a rogue. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next card, the Magic Mirror. Six blue, blue, blue. So nine CMC, legendary artifact. This spell costs one less to cast for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. You have no maximum hand size. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a knowledge counter on the magic mirror and draw a card for each knowledge counter on the magic mirror. Hmm. I I love this card. I think it's sweet. I mean, even if it gets bounced by Teferi, I think the card is sweet. <laughs> it's definitely sweet and flavorful. Uh, I don't know about it seeing play in standard. I could definitely see myself jamming this in commander decks or maybe brawl decks. Standard, I think Krim actually mentioned my biggest concern with the card is... There's just, like, I think it's partly because of Best of One on Arena, but we just have so many flexible main deckable answers now. You got Teferi, can bounce it. You got Knight of Autumn that can kill it. You got Assassin's Trophy, which you don't play it to kill Magic Mirror, but it does kill Magic Mirror. So it seems really unlikely, even if you can get the cost all the way down to three mana, that it's going to, like, sit out and tick up long enough to really take over the game. Maybe, like, I don't know, maybe for against, like, Demir Control, and they don't have an answer for it, you can, like, slit, uh, sneak this in through the counter spells and win the game. But I think in general, it just feels like most decks can like incidentally deal with this before it really goes off and gets a ton of counters what about modern uh, uh i think it's just way too slow what what if what if it's like a alternate sideboard card for like drakes so you, you spend I don't know what you would do you spend three <laughs> like, mana you cast this you wait a turn you draw one extra card yeah. two turns two x i feel like that's just like not fast you drop enough it and you get inevitability right like, I don't I know, mean, what, what could you do? Like, someone puts an ensnaring bridge on you? <laughs> I, I don't know. And then you and donate then you, this like, to them no. <laughs> so they have cards so, in no. hand. <laughs> <laughs> this is your alternate win card. <laughs> I think there's actually, this is actually kind of a card we saw before. I think it was called Minds Unbound. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, it was like a six-man enchantment that was 
basically exactly the card draw ability, and I don't think that saw any play. This obviously has upsides compared to Minds Unbound, but I'm not really high on it outside of Commander. Can you tinker this thing in, in older formats? Is there any point? <sighs> I mean, you could. It is a legal tinker target. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand that part. <laughs> I don't see any relevance for this outside of Commander. I think it's good in Commander. No maximum hand size is good in Commander. You can probably get the cost down. And How are you going to cast it in Commander? It's just, it's like really hard, right? It's really late till still. Well, if you can cast it for three mana, it's not bad. Yeah. Mm. I'm assuming I mean, you fill your graveyard with spells somehow and some sort of like spell, spell slinger style deck. Even then, it's kind of slow though. Although maybe it's, it's so slow, slow that it's not threatening. Like, if you saw me play this in Commander, are you going to be like, oh my god, we got to deal with that, it's a magic mirror? Are you going to be like, enjoy drawing a card next turn, <laughs> Seth? <laughs> what, what if you have, like, a doubling season? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a lot uh, of work. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of work. What is doubling all right, season all right, no, no, no magic mirrors. Give you double the knowledge counters. Uh, okay, okay. All it, right, all right. If it gets played anywhere, I see that it could get... I think it could get played in standard. <laughs> I think it could. I mean, all right. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, maybe <laughs> this is just already. me, but like, I, I think Jace, wielder of mysteries, like, I don't know, some kind of maybe self mill crazy draw deck. I, I, I don't know. I think that could work. It just seems hilariously bad against both Teferi and also Narset, which are two like staples of standard was just like incidentally it's with their easy st- just wreck it. Just don't let it resolve, <laughs> right? How how, right. how how obviously easy is that? <laughs> All right, next up, we have a Boros Mythic, Outlaw's Merriment, one red, white, white, four CMC, Enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose one at random. Create a red and white creature token with these characteristics. 3-1 Human Warrior with Trample and Haste. 2-1 Human Cleric with Lifelink and Haste. 1-2 Human Rogue with haste with when this creature enters a battlefield, it deals one damage to any target. Man, I, if go ahead, go ahead. I think this is uh all. It's an all right card. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it's. I, I can't tell because everything seems so powerful in this set that like something like this just. I don't know. It, it's nice in a token deck. It's nice to to have a. It, it's a slower, less inevitable version of um. What's the Boros uh, assembling? Assemble the Legion. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It seems if, okay. If it was standard of like five years ago, I would really like this card. If you look at the tokens you make, I think each one is worth, I would say, a minimum of two mana, maybe like two to two and a half mana. If you were just gonna cast a card that had the stats and abilities of one of those tokens, so after two turns, you got your mana's worth. After three plus turns, you're coming out way ahead in terms of mana. But the problem is kind of like what we were talking about with the Magic Mirror. I'm just super low on artifacts and enchantments that have to sit on the battlefield multiple turns to generate value. I just feel like they line up so poorly with the cards that are in the format that I I don't know. I just like, what are the odds that you play this and actually just have it sit out for three or four or five turns? I guess, like, again, you're sideboarding against, like, some Demir deck that doesn't have easy answers to it. But in general, I'm just... I'm not high on cards like this in our current format, even though I think it's powerful. Like, if if it were at the beginning of your combat step, so the turn it came down, you can create something immediately, but it's at the beginning of your upkeep, so it has to make it one full cycle. 
at and least. Th- and there's Mortifies yeah. and Teferis and etc. Mor- Mortify has gone down. Um, I, I mean, there you could play this in a deck that kind of stretches people's answers thin. So, like, if you are in an aggressive shell, this could be your late game bomb uh, that you would drop after they use all their answers on focusing on your early board. Maybe this is something you sideboard in. You you could also sideboard this in uh, in a slow slower matchup. Yeah, like you could also sideboard it in in like some sort of Jeskai control deck, even or Jeskai super yeah. friends. Yeah, I think this card is laughably bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a three. Like they don't attack through anything, right? Like they're three ones. You just put up a four four, and like you just stop all attacks. It reminds me of like a really bad Gideon. Like you, you don't get one on your first turn. It has no other abilities. You have no emblem. You just make, like, these underwhelming creatures that can't attack. And if they have any, like, against a control deck, it could be okay. But against any other deck, they will have creatures that will block and kill all your tokens. So this thing is actually just really slow and uh, and kind of useless. Like, the only thing that can make it better is if you had, like, a Boros Anthem. Something's like plus one, plus one to all white creatures, plus one, plus one to all red creatures. Then your creatures come in as, like, five threes. And then they're, like, actually useful. But given the power level of the set, like I don't know what a three one or a two one's gonna be doing. What do you th- what do you think about the random aspect? Like is that gonna be Boring annoying scene. in paper, like to have to randomly do this every turn? Or I don't know, what do you think about that? That's the fun part. You break out the dice. <laughs> you yeah. get to roll them. <laughs> you do have the circle of loyalty. That's an anthem. Ooh, but they're not knights, right? Well no. creatures you control get plus okay. one plus one. Well, then you gotta cast it for six man. Six man. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather pay two more mana and cast a Garrick. <laughs> like I, I don't know. This is like a little underwhelming. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Torbrand, Thane of Red Fell. One red, red, red. So four CMC, two four legendary creature, dwarf noble. If a red source you control would deal damage to an opponent or permanent an opponent controls, it deals that much damage plus two. This card's pretty good i mean it's a essentially a four mana four four in red and i'm actually really high if you've been playing standard 2020 you'll know that a uh, cavalcade of calamity mono red cavalcade is a pretty popular deck that seems to have a lot of pieces to compete after rotation maybe and this seems insane with cavalcade of calamity yeah i mean like th- this card is also just it, it, it's at the perfect mana cost where it doesn't die to something like a tyrant scorn or something like that has a nice statted line of two uh being a two four so the four health is very relevant doesn't die to that sweet new uh two mana three damage spell it's th- there's a lot less answers that can easily deal with a uh, torbran i would say but it does die to that hero's downfall creature. But I really do like the uh, the additional two damage added on to things that, like in Calamity Red. I just want to see this in other formats, like a Perforos with this thing, uh, a Grape Shot maybe. Uh, oh, what's that? What's that red pestilence? Oh, oh Pyrohemia. Yes, that thing. Like getting, I guess <laughs> that it's is like a, hilarious. Is this a Flame of Keld? ultimate is, it is basically the is the third lore counter on flame account yeah. yeah but you get it on the spot and then you can do all kinds of weirdness with it i think it's actually gonna see play in a lot of formats like commander definitely uh and we might see it in other formats as well yeah brawl seems like a good brawl burn commander if you want to go that direction yeah your shocks can deal four damage <laughs> and <Whoa>. like <laughs> 
<laughs> I really like to, even though it technically doesn't do anything right away, if you build your deck in a way where you're like curving out like one drop, two drop, three drop, Torbane, like unless your opponent has instant speed removal, at least you get in that first attack with your red creatures and hopefully get in a bunch of extra damage. So it kind of is a little bit of like a hell rider effect where even though it doesn't have an enter the battlefield trigger, if you play it and build the deck right, you should be able to get some almost immediate value out of it. All right. Next up, we have Charming Prince. One in a white, two, two. It's a rare human noble. One Charming Prince enters the battlefield, choose one. Scry two, gain three life. Exile another target creature you control, return to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. Man, this might be the card that I will play most of all of Throne of Eldraine. This card does exactly what I want to do, like just flickering and enter the battlefield value for stuff like Panharmonicon. It can almost never be bad. I've been playing Lone Missionary in Modern, which is a two mana <laughs> one one that just gains you four life. This is like such a huge upgrade for like Soul Herder decks, Amiria decks. I've heard people talking about it in humans this is a two drop that i think might actually have a home in humans in modern i think this card is just really really strong i like cards that have options and this gives me multiple choices to for for whatever situation i need i'm a fan i mean it's basically the third option right like if you you really want this card for that what if i need to gain three life against burn you know i mean yeah but that's not the primary purpose of this card or is it i don't know but I, I feel like be. decks that want blinking effects and decks with the word human in it, I think, would like this. It's just so hard for it to ever be bad. Like, worst case, you scry two and improve your draw. If you're against an aggro deck, you gain three life, and that might actually swing the game. And then if you're playing it, you probably built around the flicker ability a little bit, and that can offer a, a ton of value. If you're flickering, whatever, Cloud Bracers, Small Drifters, Chupacabras, something with that level of Enter the Battlefield trigger, so... I think it's a lot of value for a grizzly bear. You can give your opponent a bunch of goat tokens. <laughs> Again, if you blink your clack bridge troll. <laughs> okay, next up we have Fires of Invention. Three in a red enchantment. You can't, or you can cast spells only during your turn, and you can't cast more than two spells each turn. You may cast spells with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana cost. This card is so tricky to evaluate. For sure I know that I like it as additional or maybe even replacement for as foretold if your goal is to cast restore balances and crashing footfalls and stuff in modern. I think that's one easy home. You might be able to even be able to do that mono red now with this and Elector Dominance because it's another way you can just fire those spells off for free. On the other hand, like, how big of a drawback is essentially not being able to cast instants and only being able to cast two spells a turn? Like, ah, oh, the dream scenario is you play this on turn four with another four drop. So you're kind of almost doubling your mana. And then the next turn you untap and cast two five drops for free. Maybe one of them has some sort of like mana sinky ability so you can use all your lands that you don't need anymore. I don't know. What do you guys think of this card? Like outside of the free spell synergy. So you're trying to play this quote unquote fairly. <laughs> well, the unfair way is the free spells, I think. I, I mean, I think that is what you want to do right like you like living end if it doesn't work i'm gonna lose anyway like what's what's the point of casting another spell <laughs> right? i'm looking so. at this as big red <laughs> big red and standard something to like i don't know just like 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 big red can definitely use this big red wasn't gonna cast a ton of spells in one turn anyways right you only need one to two big bombs and call it a day yeah uh, but i feel like i don't know it, why don't you just play a ritual if you're just gonna cast like one 
five mana spell and like be done, right? Like normally well, you can have removal you and stuff you can need to play. You get two spells. Yeah. And it's two free spells. So somebody should have stats for this. What is like the average number of spells per turn that's cast? Ooh. I mean, I think it really depends on the deck and your right. build. Sure. Sure. But you know, of like say a common archetype, let's say like a control deck, a mid-range deck, like how many spells are you actually casting on average? Because if it's usually under two, maybe this is fine. Maybe it's actually just free man at all upside. But if after you play this, you got to play like two removal spells and then a three drop or something, and you can't do that, then it actually didn't help you, right? Like you, you could have just used all your mana efficiently anyway. So I don't know. It's interesting trying I mean, to figure this out the fair way. You definitely don't want to play it like you would uh, like Experimental Frenzy. Like yeah. I think you want exper- if you're playing cheap aggro stuff or like Rakdos or Mono Red, Frenzy is going to be way better because you do need to cast multiple spells. But if you're playing like maybe again like Jeskai Super Friends or something where all you want to do is like tap out and cast big planeswalkers every turn, maybe this just lets you like double your mana essentially and you get two big planeswalkers instead of one and what do you care because you're going to tap out anyway and you're not leaving up instants you're just casting planeswalkers like maybe something like that could make it work fairly i mean we already have teferi so most people are already casting on their turn anyways <laughs> that, so that's true. that is true no downside <laughs> i that first line of text is like okay <laughs> All right, next up we have Iron Crag Feet. One red, red, red sorcery for CMC. Add seven red. You can only cast one more spell this turn. This is going straight into my Dracoseth deck uh, for EDH. <laughs> but I don't like the talk online about how this goes into Karn. <laughs> what, so what do you need fan. to like? Simeon Spirit Guide, Double Ritual, Iron Crag Feet, Karn. Karn. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think I'm fine with that. (laughs) I think if you assemble that, you got me. (laughs) Really though, like, I'm, I'm a free win red, mono red prison player, and I could see trying to adapt the deck to take advantage of this. Like, I could definitely see you're already playing the rituals. You're already playing Simeon Spirit Guides. You can play like Karn or Six Mana Chandra. And even like, yes, the dream scenario of playing one of them on turn one, you're not going to have the hand to do that very often, but even just like, turn two it becomes a lot more practical you only need two rituals in this to get to a karn or a chandra so i think that maybe like i think it's worth trying at least in modern and picture this this is really simple standard uh turn two you play paradise druid turn three you tap your paradise druid you play this and you cast six mana chandra like how do you beat that how do you beat that in standard <laughs> like that's not even that's like not even a convoluted combo what, you yeah. just cast your hero's downfall thing and then you're like huh and then you make a lifelinker and you beat your face in. <laughs> Wow. I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel the sequencing of this is what makes it rough. Like, I don't know. And then you're now playing this weird ramp deck. Like, if you start, if you don't have enough cards, whatever card is, right? So maybe Chandra and Standard. Then if you draw this, it's like useless, right? You have seven mana and you don't have your finisher. If you have your finisher without this, like, I don't know. You run into that weird weirdness. So you can't play it fairly. You have to play it in like an all out ramp deck. 
and then I don't know. Like, what do you what do you think? So would Storm ever play this? No, no, because you I need more, like, more than one spell. <laughs> you need multiple spells in Storm, I think. Past in Flames, Grape Shot. I don't know. What could you do? No, that's you two. That's two that. spells. That's yeah. Can't even do that. <laughs> you only no, get yeah, one. <laughs> you finish him off with a fireball. <laughs> you, you, you know, I legitimately, I only see this as dropping either a Chandra or a Dragaseth or something in standard. But who knows? Like, Eldraine won't, will, like, the set that's coming after uh, with the Behemoths, I think maybe then we could start looking to these big cards, like Iron Crag Feet and, uh, you know, that, that fire, the forge thing that you were talking about fires of invention like i i think that set will give us a ton of big bombs that we want to drop i mean we still have like thousand year storm too and Ral to copy this and make 14 mana there's got to be something you can do with that <laughs> wait hold on but does Ral Ral ca- uh, casts the copy right uh i think a copy is never cast i'm pretty sure is so you should from, still from be Ral able to play storm conduit yeah ah all right or yeah, Storm Conduit. So I, you should be able to, like, kick down, copy this, make 14 mana, and then Banefire or something. <laughs> I don't know, Fireball, whatever we have in standard that's similar to that. Uh, eh. I don't know, but I, I do I do agree with Seth, though. I think everyone's focusing on turn one, weird, magical Christmas land, but you just do this, like, on turn four. It's still pretty good. It's like a Black Lotus on turn four, right? It's still so a lot of extra mana, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, next up. We have Fervent Champion. We have the return of Invitational Cards. Although, I don't know, did, did, did anyone design this? This is no. the 2018 World Champion, Javier Dominguez. His face is on the card. It's red, 1-1, one, one, first strike, haste. One Fervent Champion attacks, another target attacking knight you control. Gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. Equip abilities... You activate that target for a champion. Costs three less to act. I this I think the good, card right? is good. I think the card this is good. good, but I I do I want to see what equipment or equip abilities we we're gonna see. Yeah, I think that feels like the biggest payoff. I know I was looking at all the equipment we currently know about, either in standard or coming in Throne of Eldorain, and outside of Colossus Hammer. You can equip any of them for free. They all cost three or less to equip. So maybe there's a way you can like play this on turn one, turn two, play some equipment, get it on it, get in a bunch of damage. Worst case, like Knights has gotten a lot of support. And this seems like just solid curve filler if you're playing a knight deck, like a decent one drop that has some upside and you probably want equipment in your knight deck anyway. So uh, I think I like it there at a minimum. And if we get like a busted equipment, then this becomes even more exciting. Yeah. I wonder what if they'll... about modern? Uh, I mean, you equip swords for free. Pick like, up yeah. any sword for free with haste and first strike in case you can't so survive. Stoneforge goes with it and then boom. Free so equipment. what do you, you have Boros Stoneforge? <laughs> I guess you could go Mardu, you can go Naya, you can do anything. Yeah, you can go Cheskai, then you get this <laughs> fairy. fairy spell queller and think, Stoneforge. I mean, I think for me, I think the card's fine and probably decent in uh, certain decks, but I think it's really cool that they're like kind of bringing back invitational cards like as a magic player that's got to be the highest honor right is there like if you could win a pro tour or have your face forever on a magic card which would you pick i probably would ah, that's a tough one i think i'd rather take the pro tour <laughs> <laughs> you can alter any card and have your face on it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
You can't <laughs> alter the tournament results. Oh, yeah. I, I would snap take having myself on a magic card, I think, over a Pro Tour personally. Yeah, I mean, okay, I but, also but would I felt love like to have that, but... They did him dirty here. Like, he's so far zoomed out, you can't see his face. Like, they, they need to, like, do the, like, the original Solemn or whatever, where it's, like, super zoomed in, and you're like, yes, I see this guy's face. That's <laughs> true, can you can't. I can see Javier in it, though. It's just, you, but you, only it because. Barely, it's, like, really hard. Yeah. And it does mention it in, like, the flavor text. Yeah, the flavor text mentions it, which is new, right? Because previously, none of the invitational cards actually said who they were. So you're like, yeah. this is clearly some magic player, but I don't know who it is. <laughs> Just wait till yep. they reprint Fervent Champion, and it doesn't have Javier in the art. <laughs> like uh, they'll they have do that. They'll, they'll, they'll totally retcon him out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, oh, it doesn't match the world. We'll just change change it. I mean, the other... I, this is probably another topic, but man, could you imagine if, like, Yuya was last year's world championship, or Owen, oh. or something? Like, <laughs> no, there they, is, they totally scrapped the idea. They isn't there, like, the some sort of year. risk with this plan that, like, three years from now, we're like, oh, I mean, not with Javier in specific, because I think Javier, like, I'm not worried about him in specific, but just with doing this every year, do you think there's any concern, like, ugh, like, what could happen <laughs> with this plan? <laughs> this card is now banned in all formats. Like, what? <laughs> I don't think it matters. I think they would just, they would just update the art for the next one and that'll be that i don't think it's a real concern but maybe, maybe before they print the card they do like extensive extensive <laughs> research <laughs> to make sure that this won't happen uh all right all right I've, I've been throwing modern around all the time here but i legitimately think this card is broken in modern <laughs> so we're on drown in the lock oh yes blue and a black instant choose one counter target spell with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard Destroy target creature with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of cards in his controller's graveyard. I read uh, this as split card, counterspell, and murder in modern. <laughs> for two mana. For yes. two mana. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I do too. I, Why I am is this a thing? okay with this. <laughs> it's even easier to cast because it's not double blue. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's less consistent than we're thinking. I don't know. When I read this, it just it seems... Like, with fetch lands and all the cheap spells that go around in modern, that this should just basically be a hard counter and hard removal spell, hopefully starting on turn two as soon as you can cast it, and just scales throughout the game unless someone, like, plays a rest in peace or something. It, it seems like just, like, a staple, right? Like, you're, you're the modern control player, Krim. You're playing Esper Control. Is this something that's going to be in your main deck? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. How, I, well, I how will, many copies? I, well, as always, I'm going to start with four and then work my way down. Um, okay. But, like, this card now gives me a way to be, like, even maybe just slightly aggressive with Thought Scour, stuff like that. Like, hey, I'm going to mill you instead. N totally not suspicious whatsoever. <laughs> I don't think you even need that, right? You like... don't. You don't. But you can if you're, like, I can actually, at a point in a game, maybe even counter a Karn with this. <laughs> yeah, I think you could. I think... I think this makes control too strong. Control has no weaknesses now, right? Like the only way to oh, attack control. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The way to attack control as like a non-aggro deck, right? So if you're an aggro deck, you go under it. Everyone else relies on control drawing kind of the bad half of their deck, right? So, you know, if you're a combo deck, you want control to draw their removal. If you're a creature deck, you want control to draw their counter spells and then you get them with the creatures. Now this thing does both at two mana and it's actually just a hard counter because you know, say I turn one thought sees you, fetch land, look, you can now counter like literally everything in my deck, right? You can kill yep. literally everything in my deck. It's like, or, or I just do two fetch lands. You can do the same, right? It's 
it's hilariously versatile. What if so, what if Mill plays this? Oh, it's how do you know that it matters? Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess Archive I guess if trap. you play, <laughs> I can counter an Olamon. If you play Thought Scour, you can somehow counter like a turn three card or something <laughs> by like manipulating this. But I don't think it's actually even needed. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I'll say is like there there are some bad matchups. I think for it, like. I don't think it's particularly good against Tron. Like, Tron seems like it's pretty whiffy. Same with, like, Eldrazi Tron. It feels like it'll be pretty whiffy. But still, that's not, like, a huge downside. If you look at most matchups, uh, like Richard said, like, you're usually choosing to either play a counter to improve your unfair matchups or a removal spell to improve, like, your creature fair matchups. And this just takes that choice off the table. Like, this just does both, and it does both really efficiently and really easily in a format like Modern. I am so excited. It's such what, a good card. What about what about Standard? Like, what are your thoughts? I think that's where this is much more questionable. Obviously, if you're trying to mill your opponent, it becomes really good. Can you play this fairly in your Esper Control deck in Standard, or is it just too inconsistent to have graveyards being filled? I think you could still play it fairly. I mean, it may not be as impactful as it would be in Modern, but it's definitely got room in Standard. As you had mentioned earlier, something that the the like counter spells kind of just can be dead when you have, first off, a Teferi on board, right? Or your opponent, your opponent, your opponent has a Teferi, or... or you know, like you're sitting there with a grip of counter spells, but they already have resolved threats. So this can now double back as a way to actually remove the threat and isn't like a dead card. Like normally you would board out counter spells in some matchups, right? But in this, in the case of this card, maybe this card just always stays in because it's either a counter spell or a removal. Yeah. I, yeah, All right. I, I think the card's I, I am. I'm sad for modern. <laughs> <laughs> I am sad. I, it's Every, like, oh. People are just going to play like five Cavern of Souls. <laughs> and then, and then, and then you just kill the creature they cast. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> right? Like, it's there's so no good. counterplay to this. Thrun. The counter. You got to bring back oh. your Thruns in John Richard. Everyone's going to oh. play Boggles. <laughs> oh, this card. Oh, control's going to be so good and annoying. Okay. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> it gets. Crim. It, Strangle root guys gets around it. It does. No, it doesn't. You just counter it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need. I need to have a cavern of souls. Then I strangle root guys, and then <laughs> I, I got you. I got you. All right, Vantress Gargoyle, one in a blue, artifact creature Gargoyle, five four flying. It can't attack unless the defending player has seven or more cards in their graveyard. It can't block unless you have four or more cards in your hand. Tap it. Each player puts the top two cards of the library into their graveyard. So once again, this is a two mana five four flying, right? <laughs> Which can't do anything unless certain conditions are met. Yes, right. Those conditions don't seem that hard to hit. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, okay, they early game it can block. Oh, right, because it, uh, it can't block unless you have four or more cards in hand. Yeah. It can block, which is fine on a 5-4 body. On top of that, once you start, your opponent has, like, more cards in the yard in the late game, that's, like, I'm not going to lie to you. That's when I'm probably going to start attacking anyways, right? (laughs) 90% of the time, I don't ever do anything in the early game other than just try to stay alive and get to turn 7. So, I think this card is very good. What format are we talking about? I, I, honestly, I think in any format, like, right, so I don't know about modern and where this comes into play, but, like, I could definitely see getting some play there, too. But standard, I mean, 
This doesn't seem that hard to get going. Like it's a two mana five four flyer. I don't. I just. I don't think it takes that much to get going. <sighs> to me, this looks like Jace's Phantasm, and Jace's Phantasm can be good if you're milling people. But I don't know. I'm skeptical. This is my pick for a card that is going to be overrated, and people are going to like. It's nice that it can block. That is helpful. But to me, this looks like a card that is going to be harder to turn on than people think and not be as good as people think. So Krim has won me over with his arguments. <laughs> Coming into the podcast, I'm like, this card is trash. No, I'm like, this card is great. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you think of it like as a thing in the ice, except it's a 5-4 and it can block flyers. So it, it just sits around and blocks. So say you play it on turn two, right? At the end of every turn, you can just mill right so you will definitely in uh you know seven turns turn it on but most likely you'll kill some of their creatures so by around turn four or five this thing will be on which is when you want to be attacking anyway so i feel like it's actually just a thing in the ice that somehow requires less conditionals (laughs) like you don't actually need to do anything just the natural flow of the game will turn this into a five four flyer yeah and if not it'll be an early game blocker yeah, and it blocks liars, which is actually quite relevant. So I actually think it's actually really good. Yeah, and I, I I don't like oh, but what if you have to remove stuff in the early game? Well, this is the this is my removal in the early game, right? <laughs> like I just hold on to cards. Like I can just sit here, hold on to some removal spells unless you go ridiculously wide, and then just leave this up to block, make your combat a little weirder. Uh, so but there's to- there's. There's downside to this though, right? So as the game progresses and say you're not winning and you know, you've used all your resources to kill your opponent's creatures. Yeah. Now you're hellbent or you're under four cards. Yeah. But you're not winning yet, right? So you can attack, but you can't block. Well, that's where you're hoping that you just have your control <laughs> spells. Like, I mean, you have, you have witch's vengeance, you know, this survives a witch's vengeance. <laughs> like, obviously it does if you're naming gargoyles, but like, I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot you can do with this card. I, I think it's pretty sweet. This you is can like be you aggressive. Your food tokens to stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> While you beat yeah. them in the air with the 5 4. 100%. Also, I think since it's in blue and with how many sweet draw spells blue has gotten this, this set, like you have between like the folio, you have, you know, maybe magic mirror, right, Seth? And then, and then you have into the story. Like there's just so many things that draw you cards. Obviously, unless your opponent has an R set. Yeah. All right. Last card we're going to talk about. I don't know how this card is on this list, but here we are. Spectre's Shriek. <laughs> Black. Sorcery. Uncommon. Target opponent reveals their hand. You may choose a non-land card from it. If you do, that player exiles that card. If a non-black card is exiled this way, exile a card from your hand. Well, this is like from a cycle like of more hate cards, right? Like Red Cap Brawl. Uh, like they all do something. Um, but if it deals it to a, like, like a, what is it? If you discard a non-black card, you then have to exile a card from your hand. So it's you basically just two for one yourself. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's something that allows me to like, if I need to, if I, if I absolutely need to, like we're fry and some stuff like that, like fry only hits a blue or white, uh, creature or planeswalker. Well, okay, sure. That's great. But this one, it's like, well, if I need to, absolutely need to, then I will rip a non-black card from your hand. Otherwise, I could just keep hating something out on color. I feel like there's only one scenario where I cast this. And I'm at, like, you know, my uh, 
my Throne of Eldraine pre-release. My opponent has Garrick, the Planeswalker, in his deck. And I'm like, oh boy, I got a pile of jank. Better put in these Spectre Shrieks and hope I get there. <laughs> like, I I feel like this isn't... I feel like this is a hate card. It's a sideboard hate card. I think that's yeah. how I look at it. It's, it's not. So I've heard people though. say like... Oh, it's like a thought seize, budget thought seize, blah, blah, blah. No, no, you never put this card in your main deck, I don't think. At least, if the format's healthy, then you never want this in your main deck. But this is a card, uh, we're going back to Theros. Let's say, God forbid, we end up with something equivalent to the old Mono Black Devotion deck that is the best deck in standard. Then all of a sudden, this becomes great, right? This would be a four of sideboard card, potentially, or maybe in that meta, you could even consider it in the main deck. So I feel like that's how you look at this card is like a hoser, a safety valve in case these mono color decks that we're seeing pushed in Throne of Eldraine, probably more so in Theros because of what we know about Theros in the past. Like, I feel like that's where this card in this cycle fits in, not as like, oh, this is my Thoughtseize replacement. I feel like this was made for Hogak. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, yes, Hogak, exiled. Thank you. I, I, I think the card is very solid, and and you know, you know what I do like from it. You may choose a non-land card from your opponent's hand, <laughs> meaning <laughs> if you try, like some people have tried to uh, do yes, the cute, the good one for zero. Yes, I like yeah, that the one, one for zero. <laughs> Because, like, I, 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 it's a May, so just in the corner pocket case where it's like, oh, is that a Nullhide Ferox? <laughs> I refuse to discard that. <laughs> but I do, th- I do think this and the other, like, what, is, Red Cap Brawl, like, the, the other hate cards, like, I think it's, it's pretty good. I, 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 for a hate card, it's very good. And like Seth mentioned, I definitely would be sideboarding this. Maybe if I want to be, like, extra saucy, I can, like, main deck one or like two of the discard spells but for the most part these will always be in the sideboard for me i think the only other thing i like about these cards is in specific decks you can kind of negate the drawback like with specter shriek if you can get hellbent then obviously you don't have to exile a card from your hand or with the red one uh it's four damage to a creature or planeswalker for one mana but then if it's a non-red permanent you have to sack a land if you're playing like red aggro and you only need two lands on the battlefield maybe like that's not that big of a downside in a specific deck. Or maybe you got Crucible of Worlds or something to get lands back. So I think, like, maybe there's specific niche archetypes where these could be main deckable. But in general, I think I'm looking towards the sideboard. Yeah. I, I wish Red Cap Brawl hit the opponent's face. Because then that card would be really good, regardless. <laughs> okay. That would be, yeah, like, busted, I think. Yeah. Okay, I guess I'll sack a land. I'll deal you four. <laughs> but, yeah, like... These cards are are solid options out of the sideboard, and you know maybe Theros makes the makes these cards make even more sense to main deck. All right, so with that out of the way, we are super over time, so I'll wrap up our previews. So if you want to see the rest of the cards, there's some pretty good cards still. There's some favorites we didn't talk about. Clackbridge Troll, yeah. <laughs> uh, check them out at mtgpreviews.com. Uh, but let's move on to fishmail. Unless you guys have any other topics fish mail away all right if you have questions send them to at mtg goldfish with the hashtag mtg fish mail and we'll get to your questions on air ah yes crim i want to start off by saying i did not place this question <laughs> okay <laughs> kyle meters i don't understand why red and six is a good card in modern <laughs> and the crew explained why it's not just fine getting a land back seems meh and the minus is just one damage what's up <laughs> All right, so 
first off, it draws you a card every turn. Yes, it's a land, but for two mana, drawing a card every turn is really good. If you throw in, like, Horizon lands, uh, other cycling lands, then it's even more card advantage. Plus, if you look at the modern format, while one damage might not look like much... It's actually pretty relevant when you consider, like, uh, Snapcaster Mage, Noble Hierarch, Birds of Paradise are among the ten most played creatures in the format. And as you go further down the list, there's Ice Fang Coatles and Thalias and uh, Night of Autumns and a lot of things that that actually picks off. So I think the combination of being a pretty good removal spell and being a constant source of card advantage and just costing two mana is uh, is what makes Renin Six so good. And it makes like so like Jun can play like a lower land count. Not not I wouldn't say like like seven lands or anything like that. But like I mean, it plays a relatively lower land count because it knows that it can easily just find uh, all the lands it needs with getting the one fetch land in the yard, uh, stuff like that. Hashtag deck thinning. And of course, uh, I I do I think the card just does exactly what you you want from a two mana planeswalker it's absurdly powerful it does like seth had mentioned just card drawing a card every turn that card also helps you hit the land which would then you know kind of make it so that you have less lands in the deck and of course the minus being a removal is huge and and backstory uh richard and i had this debate a lot over vegas so that's why let's let's set the record straight since we meme a lot around this card so i think the card is better than quote-unquote fine i think it's just good i i don't think it is like the greatest card ever and the card that puts jund into you know whatever and the reason you you should you know you should try to jam this into every deck i think it's like a Coligan's command or a liliana of the last hope or something or maybe like say maelstrom pulse it's a good card that has specific uses and in specific metagames, but it's not like the reason you play uh, a deck or it's not, you know, an always include. Like there are reasons to take it out and things like that. So I think it's a fine card, but I think the hype is like way overblown about this card. And I told Seth, and I told Krim too at Vegas, in a year's time, I think Ren and Six won't be the most played modern horizons card it'll be some other card i think it will kind of have its fad time and go away like say coligan's command which disappeared and now it's back because of stone forge or say last hope or something like that like i think it's okay it's a good card but not like lilian of the veil good where you're like okay yes this is the point of the deck it probably won't be the most heavily played because uh, it'll be banned by then yeah. Wow. It's two no. mana. That's the thing. It's two mana. It's not three mana like those cards that you had mentioned. This is two mana. You can There's only the one again. other two mana planeswalker. <laughs> and it is not good. <laughs> we'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. I think it actually is really good in older formats though. Like, oh, wasteland locking someone? Ooh. Okay. Next question. Boss breakers. My friend and I are headed to Command Fest in DC and want to build new decks for it. Any suggestions on fun deck ideas? Dracoseth. Yarak. Legitimately, Dracoseth is so much fun. Additional combat. Is is DC before or after Eldrain? Anyone know? It is December. Oh, I would totally, totally build a Seven Dwarfs deck. We didn't talk about the card, (laughs) but that is like the greatest card ever. (laughs) Maybe you can Uh, build an Alila also, because by then you'll have. All, all the cards out. Yeah, or, or Chulane, yeah. Yep. Those Brawl Commanders are pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie to you. 
All right, Captain Wow 26. Which fairy tales are you most excited to see in Throne of Eldraine? Ooh. I was never huge on a lot of the fairy tales, to be honest with you. I don't even know any like non-Disney fairy tales. Yeah. yeah. Is there a non-Disney fairy tale? I pretty much know the <laughs> Disney ones as well. <laughs> I mean... Here's the question. Are we going to get like a Frozen card? <laughs> like some of the newer Disney movies, which you would not consider fairy tale, but this is basically like a Disney throwback this entire set. Or do you think we'll see... I don't know. Like, Are there more off-the-wall fairy tales? We haven't seen the Gingerbread Men yet. The gingerbread men and women from the trailer. We didn't, we didn't get we, them. We found the the man, right? Ginger brute. We have. Wait, I don't. I don't think. I think ginger brute is just a random gingerbread character. Oh, you think that? So you think the actual gingerbread from the yeah from the preview have get? cards? I don't know. If ginger brute is the only gingerbread card, I'm gonna be really sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just gonna be mighty leap is gonna be the card, and it's gonna have the art of the gingerbread cookie. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I guess. Uh, James. How about Doctor Seuss? Is that Peach are those fairy isn't. tales or no? I don't think so. I think you gotta be older no. and more classic. So I don't think we'll get like yeah. I don't think we'll get anything modern like Frozen or Doctor Seuss. Uh, it seems what like about? they've stuck mostly with classic fairy tales and like whatever legends and whatnot. All right. Next question. Absalom. W-Z-R-D. Now that Blood, Sun, and Field of Rune are rotating, what is our best hate against the Field of the Dead menace? Either, uh, I would say either just beating them down, <laughs> which is always a solid game plan. Um, I, I noticed that the decks without, like, scape shift, they have to rely on, uh, like, sir, what is it, like, Golos and Circuitous Route and all that other stuff, but preventing them from being able to search and also playing a card like Nico Bolas that just constantly keeps eating away <laughs> at their mana base and punishes them for not having many like doing anything early uh is pretty good. Yeah, I think without scape shift to like combo off, I think it becomes a little bit more practical to try to like keep up with the deck fairly because you don't have the like oh they just randomly whatever made a million uh zombies yeah. on my end step. So I think uh and we still have good removal like legions uh end and so forth that can deal with a board full of zombies stuff that uh can interact with lands we still could get. We haven't really seen like a field of ruins replacement, but it's definitely possible that we get one uh in Throne of Alderaan. So uh, and Assassin's Trophy. Assassin's Trophy is still around. So I think I'm just less scared of Field of the Dead. If people like have to go the Gates route or have to go like Yarok or whatever, compared to like the combo kill of Scapeshift. Yeah. And and once again, like, yeah, if it just gets bad enough, I mean, I was legitimately playing just a Saltai control deck that was adding the green just so I can play quad, uh, a full play set of Assassin's Trophies. All right. Last question. Joku Peteris thoughts on the showcase cards instead of making their normal product as good as possible by illustrating the set in a fantastic fairy tale like art style magic chooses to paywall it I haven't met anyone who prefers their generic digital art versions I've seen some complaints about this personally I'm uh, I'm pretty fine with it I think they look awesome especially like uh like the fairy tale old school looking art i think those are my favorite the extended border and stuff whatever they're fine they look fine but especially the old art ones look really awesome 
I'm really fine with Wizards uh, making products specifically for collectors and stuff, as long as it's not the Nexus of Fate situation, where, like, you can, if you could only get Murderous Rider from a collector's booster, then I would have an issue with it. But I'm pretty fine with Wizards making cheap versions of cards for people to play with, and then special, more expensive promo versions for collectors or people who have a bunch of extra money laying around to spend on them. So, personally, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, I'm with Seth on that. Like, as long as there's a, a copy that we can all have access to, uh, reg- without having to, like, spend an arm and a leg, that's great. Yeah, I like it. And, of course, the promo version will always be better. Like, why would they make a worse version? Like, no one would get it. <laughs> so, I mean, but the argument of maybe they should put the fairy tale art as the normal art, but I think that has to do with kind of Wizards marketing, right? Like, if you make the default cards weird looking, when people look at it, they won't recognize it as Magic the Gathering. So there's a reason why we get this generic digital looking art for most of our cards is to kind of have the look and feel uh, always be magic. And then you have your promo cards be kind of the crazy art, the fairy tale art, the Japanese anime planeswalkers, like things like that, I think. Uh, I think it's a pretty good strategy and I like it. I like that we get all this unique art for the cards because otherwise we wouldn't, right? We would just have the same art. Uh, without the promos and if they always uh, we saw this with like full art lands like if you consistently do that then it doesn't become it's not special anymore and people just don't care like there was a time when full art lands were like so exciting and now we get them all the time and they're just kind of like meh whatever most of the time so i think if you had like japanese planeswalkers in the pack and then you had these cool like fairy tale cards in the pack i think we just eventually get like desensitized to their coolness and and don't care anymore all right, that's all the fish mail we have time for this week. We've gone way over because uh, we got into arena talk again and talking about sideboard cards and modern and Throne of Eldraine. Uh, but if you have questions, send them to us next week at MTG Goldfish on Twitter with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And on that note, that brings us to the end of episode 242 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, uh, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. You can get 5% off over at spikesacademy.com with the code GOLDFISH. So, uh, next week, we should have the full set of Throne of Eldering to talk about and whatever else happens in the world of magic. So, until then, this is a signing out. Yeah.